Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. What does Chris Paul want? That's a conversation that's going to be hours of talk on ESPN, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, and everywhere else. But rather than just speculate, we asked him. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. We asked him, quite simply, what he wants next. And, and again, especially with everything going on, let me just take two seconds to be a human being here. With everything that has happened in the last 48 hours for Chris Paul, again, as he made clear on Good Morning America and in talking to you when you asked him about it, Harry, he didn't know this was coming. He was on a flight. They didn't even wait to tell him, bam, he finds out that he's been traded. Now he's got to figure out what that means for his life, for his wife, for his kids, where they're going to play. What I mean, like, It would have been really easy for Chris Paul to turn around and just say, nah, I'm not going to do this appearance. It would have been very easy for him to walk away and not come on ESPN Radio. I commend the fact that he did come on. We got the chance to talk to him about his book, obviously. But also, he answered a very direct question because I we need to know what does he want, what's best for him. Well, I asked him flat out, what does he want next? Instead of us speculating, this is what he said. I think I think I think at all times you just want to be somewhere uh, where you can compete for a championship and, and definitely be with a team uh, where you appreciate it. So Harry, uh, that's a great concept. That's hard to do right now. There there are a lot of teams that can compete for championships. Chris Paul is going to have to look around and figure out what the best landing spot is for him. That also I think you and I would both agree after talking to him, he ain't going to do that if it keeps him on the other side of the country from his family. No, no, no. And, and I think when you look at the two L.A. teams, with whether it's the Los Angeles Lakers or whether it's the Los Angeles Clippers, that would allow Chris Paul to be able to be close to his family, be at home with his family, in which I know personally that that's what means the most to him. Like the game of basketball is phenomenal, right? He, he's done it at a very, very high level. But his family means everything. And to be able to be close to his family, in which, you know, he wasn't the last four years. Um, I know you're they're only a flight away, but to actually be in the same city, sleep in your bed, wake up and know your kids are going to school and, and hug them physically uh, versus doing it FaceTime wise. That's very, very important to Chris Paul. But also, you know, something that we can't miss that he just said there, though, Fitz. Feeling like you're appreciated and having the opportunity to win a championship. A lot of times people misconstru- get misconstrued. Because uh, like the, a lot of these players are making a ton of money. Well, if you're not feeling like you're appreciated, then that's a whole other factor that you got to deal with. Everyone wants to feel appreciated. In relationships, you want to feel appreciated. Your kids want to feel appreciated. In life, people want to feel appreciated. It's no different when you get to professional sports either. Preach. This is such a, just because someone's rich doesn't mean that they don't want like... They don't want to, the people around them to support what they do and feel like they're great, exactly. good at it. Like I always felt this, and I when I talk to people that are trying to make it in the music business, one piece of advice I give is like when you're figuring out who you want on your team, whether it's your entertainment attorney or your manager, or your booking agent, all of them. Number one, make sure they're genuine fans of the music you make, because if they're not. At some point, you're going to feel frustrated. Like when you go and play them a song and you're like, oh, I'm really excited about it. And they're like, eh, 
Yeah, sure, whatever. Like, at some point, you want the people that fight for you to fight for you in part because they're fans of what you do. I, I think that's a natural thing. For you and I at ESPN, like, we, we work our butts off trying to get better at what we do. Do we genuinely want the bosses? Like, do we want to feel like the bosses here think that we're good at our jobs and are fans of our style and approach? Yeah, I think that's that's a human element. If somebody works at a car dealership selling cars, they want to walk in and feel like the management trusts them to be great car salesmen. Like, I, I think at some point, just because you're rich and playing the NBA doesn't mean that you don't want people around you to say, hey, I love what you do. I am a fan of Chris Paul. I want you in this building. Like, that seems human to me. And also, Fitz, adding on to what you're saying, there's different levels of appreciation, too. You know what else shows us appreciation when it comes to working at this company? Our producers, Evan and Devin, giving us feedback. Our bosses have doing listener sessions with us, giving us feedback, whether it's positive or negative. Because, see, that lets us know they care. Invested right? in growth, and if, right? And if you care, I appreciate that about you, that you care enough to tell me where I can be better or where we can be better when it comes to things. That echoes the sentiment from so many former athletes that I've talked to that played at the highest level. And what they constantly say is that a coach – you got to feel like the coach gives a damn about you as a human being, right? Like you got to feel like the, the the relationship, you don't have to, but I would say the relationship is better. In most instances, you fight a little harder. You have more fun at work, which makes the environment better. All of these little things that can come from simple investment in whether or not, like you want a coach that you genuinely think cares about whether or not your kids are happy. You want a coach that wants to sit down and be like, man, how's the family? Like, what do we want here? We want investment from people. Like, Chris Paul wants to win a championship. Sure, of course. He also has other things that matter to him. And if if family and relationships and the way you treat people, which is evident in his book, are so important to you, that also means that you want the people around you to share those same values, right? Like, yep. there are certain values that are in, important to Harry Douglas, the human being, which means you respond better to working with people that share those values. And guess what? Guess what the greatest thing about what you just said? Money doesn't cover up all those things either. <laughs> so I think we, we got to get to a point like in, in our world to where we stop trying to place money in certain spaces to say that, you know, he's going to be all right or she's going to be all right because of X amount of dollars. It doesn't work like that. Every single person that's ever that I've ever talked to that's like, I want to raise, I want to raise. I always tell them, cool. That'll make you happy for like six months. And after six months, when you're making more money, the things that were pissing you off about your job, still going to piss you off, right? So for six months, it was like, oh, no, that's worth it. It's worth it. Then after six months, you're like, I still hate, the, hate this place. I want to go somewhere else. Like the, the wealth is relative in the NBA. So if you're Chris Paul, you're looking around and saying, look, I, I know Wendy today said that there'd be mutual interest between the Clippers and Chris Paul. Maybe he's looking at the Lakers. And if you're the Lakers, certainly they, they could be looking at somebody like Chris Paul. This could all make sense. But I think it also speaks to the fact that for somebody like Chris Paul, it's not going to be about the money he's paid. It's going to be a little bit about the money. A little bit about the appreciation, a little bit about the guys around him, a little bit about the environment, a little bit about his family, and a little bit about winning championships. And they might all be little bits in increments all across the board. But you know what that start, starts with, though, Fitz? A foundation. Having that foundation at home with his parents, with his grandfather uh, who passed away. Foundation is everything. Because the earlier that you have it in your life the better off you will be later on. And then the balance comes and then the discipline comes, right? All those different things, understanding your purpose, having a vision for your life, loving your family because you're so accustomed to seeing it and having it at an early age that you don't know anything different, nor are you gonna you know, go uh, uh, astray 
away from the things that you've learned growing up as well when you get to your adulthood. It's like Chris Paul has this opportunity right now to sit down with his family and say, hey, I'm thinking this. What do you guys think? And they'll make that decision together. And then he'll have the opportunity to look at teams we mostly think on the West Coast. It seems like it makes a lot of sense. And then he'll have the opportunity to look at, for example, the Clippers, for example, the Lakers, and figure out, hey, what gives me the opportunity to be in the best environment, to play with guys that I love playing with, to have a shot at winning a championship? Because certainly there's a dozen teams that have a shot at winning a championship. And in the process, also maintain the values that are important to me. Like It's not like winning a chip is so clear-cut. I go to this one team, I'm going to win it, it will happen. If it were that clear-cut, everybody would figure well, out the Also, people thing. don't understand how hard it is to do. And if it was that easy to do, then I'm pretty sure he would probably have one already. There's a lot of major factors that play a part in can you get to a championship, number one? Can you get to the NBA Finals? But then number two, can you actually win it? There's so many different components to trying to accomplish that goal on top of everyone else trying to knock you off of certain places because they want the same or have the same aspirations that you may have in the same goals. It's it's the price of proximity thing that I talk about all the time. Like Joe, Joe Burrow gives you proximity. You have a shot at winning the Super Bowl if you got Joe Burrow. You got a shot at winning the Super Bowl if you got Lamar. You got a shot at winning the Super Bowl. That's all you got is a shot. Josh Allen gives you a shot at winning the Super Bowl. Uh, does that mean any of it's guaranteed? No. In the NBA right now, man, the Lakers with the right additions could have a shot at winning. It all depends on what happens with everybody else's health, their health, how the season goes together. The Grizzlies could have a shot at winning it all. The Nuggets could have a shot. But all any of them have is a reasonable shot. So as a player, all you can do is put that shot together, weigh all of it, and then say, okay, is this the place that, that fills the rest of my values so much and I also have a shot at a championship. Well, since you brought up shot, you hold up your 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 vodka shot. I hold up my tequila shot, and we toast and we drink those shots together. Let shot like oh, I didn't know we were going there. Let's go shots all day. Speaking of partying together, Draymond and LeBron vacationing in France. We oui, we oui. uh-huh. That's next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Presented by Progressive Insurance HD. I'm geeking out right now. I am geeking out. I'm just going to be the first to admit it. Uh, As a lifelong Raiders fan, I've uh, been in the room and around uh, our next guest many, many times. But even more importantly, this is what's wild. Like, I'm 46. You know I'm 46. I grew up around the music business my entire life growing up. There are very few artists or acts that you can say no matter what genre you like. I grew up, I, my, my success came in country music, right? Like there are very few artists that you can say, hey, no matter what genre you are successful in, this artist impacted you. This artist made some level of influence. Our next guest, I know we got sports to get to with him too, is one of them. Ice Cube joining us, man. Hey, really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. This is for me quite amazing. And I, I will ask you about the big three in a second, but I got to start with a music question because I love this background. Uh, Ice Cube, uh, anytime I was in the studio recording a song that I thought was going to be a hit, it wasn't a hit. And anytime I thought it wasn't going to be a hit, like I'm always wrong about this. For you in the studio, do you have like one moment that you remember looking around and saying, this song is going to transcend, like this is about to blow up? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, It Was a Good Day is one of those songs where I knew, you know, it's just magical. Like, how it comes together, you know, everything is sounding right, no issues with the equipment, no issues with the mic, no issues with the voice. Uh, everything is just clicking, and you like, this song feels so good. How how could it miss? If it miss, I'm I'm quitting the business. Like I'm leaving the industry. And I'm done. Oh, Harry, real quick, I know you got to take over, Harry. I will just tell you, I was lucky enough with the band. We had six number ones in country music. I thought every one of those songs was going to suck. So like, I just don't know what that feels like. Go ahead, Harry. I just don't know what it feels but like. But no, because staying on that song. My my favorite part of it is seven even back dope little Joe. You know what I'm saying? A lot of explain to people what that mean, Q, because I understand because you know I I used to be a dice shooter. You know I didn't gave that up. You know I'm with my family, my kids now, but I'm a <laughs> dice shooter. Seven even back dope little Joe, baby. Let the people know okay, what that so means, every, man. Everybody know in dice when when you shooting, if you shooting your first shot, you want to hit a seven or eleven, right? True, but. But when you get a number, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's my point. Little Joe is like, it's a four. Mm -hmm. So anybody shooting dice know how hard it is to actually shoot a four because there's only a few ways to get it. And so when you back dough Little Joe, like when you shoot two fours in a row, you licking them. Like, you hitting them. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> give me all your money. I'm, I'm I'm so hot. Don't touch me. So, everybody that's a that's a shooter know if you back if you back doing little Joe, you just you killing them. So, it's I a, wanted to give people that visual. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Fitz and Harry. We're talking to Ice Cube. Uh, obviously, we got you on to talk Big Three, and the Big Three it's it's sustained at this point, right? So, like, it's become this thing that is part of our lives. We're used to it all the time. What's next for the league and its evolution in your mind? We're just growing. You know, gaining more fans. You know, uh, our ratings are better than MLS. Our ratings are better than NHL. So, we're doing something right, and it's just build on that we're gonna start selling teams to to owners so teams will start representing cities and and we'll expand from you know 12 teams to 16 to 24 you know we're we're, we want to grow the league you know we want to be here over 75 years like the nba so how how do y'all target the players that y'all possibly want to play in the big three? We put out a wide net. You know, we see guys, you know, we we respect guys who just left the NBA. We don't really go after them because a lot of them really are trying to get back in. Um, but, you know, after they realize, okay, we're not on a nobody's playoff roster, then then we start going after them. Um, and see if they want to play in the big three. Uh, you know, so some guys, when they retire, they're done. Like, they're done with pro basketball. You know, some guys, they they want to still go. And then there's, there's, there's a lot of guys that play overseas that's in our league because three-on-three is a different game than five-on-five. Like, in five on five, you can have a skill set. You could be a defensive guy, 
You can be a rebounder. You can be a three-point shooter. And three-on-three, if you can't dribble, pass, shoot, and defend, you're going to get exposed and you're going to get embarrassed. So you have to have an all-around game to really compete at the top level in the big three, which is great because it's its own sport. By the way, the Big Three six season tips off at the United Center Arena in Chicago on June 25th. It's a 10-week season. It gets it to Boston, Charlotte, Chicago, Dallas, Detroit, Memphis, Miami, New York. It's all over the place. You guys know this. We're talking to Ice Cube right now as we get ready for the Big Three six season. Uh, but, man, I, I got to ask you about the Raiders. I have a Raiders tattoo on my arm. Uh, you know, one of the proudest moments of my life, playing the National Anthem for him before a game. So I am a massive, lifelong, diehard Raiders fan. But I'm a little biased here because I'll admit that I'm also from Vegas. So I grew up an L.A. Raiders fan that became an Oakland Raiders fan. I got to get your perspective on the relationship because I got too much love for Vegas to see it honestly. What do you think of the relationship between the Raiders and Vegas at this point? I mean, I love it. I think it's, you know, if they couldn't come back to L.A., Vegas is the perfect spot for the Raiders. Like, the Raiders and Vegas seem like they go together. Um, And, you know, they got an amazing stadium, which they deserve. Um, And, you know, we'll see how they do this year. You know, everybody's kind of getting their feet up under us, under them, so to speak. Um, And, you know, the thing is, though, we're looking a little like the Patriots, though. (laughs) You know, we kind of all ex-Patriots. So, I don't know what the hell is going on with that. But, you know, We'll see how they do, but I think I think Vegas is the perfect fit. Cube, I want to touch on the Lakers a little bit, man, because you know Draymond Green just opted out of his contract with the Golden State Warriors. He's going to be a free agent, be able to test the market. Do you think Draymond on the Los Angeles Lakers would be a, the missing piece for them to try to win an NBA championship? Uh, I think it'd be a great piece. I don't know if it's the missing piece. You know, I think. You know, the the year the Lakers won the championship, they were big. You know, we had Dwight, we had uh, uh, JaVale McGee. Um, so we were big in the middle. And I think we got to get big in the middle to go against the Joker, to go against Giannis. Um, so we, we need some we need some seven-footers up in there, you know. Uh, this whole small ball stuff, the Joker and... And the Nuggets just proved that to be, you know, obsolete at this point in time. You got to get big again. All right, got to ask you, when when your team's playing, who are you trash talking? Always love this musician. Like, is there somebody in your phone that, you know, when the Raiders are playing, the Lakers are playing, any of your teams, who are you out there, like, actively trash talking? E-40. It's, it's simple. E-40. Me and E-40 go back and forth. <laughs> he's, a, he's a Niner. I'm a Raider. He's a Warrior. I'm a Laker. He's a giant. I'm a Dodger. So we always going at it. And, and we got an emoji that we use that we all hate to see. It's just it's just a cartoon hand. All you see is the hand turning off the light. Like, like night is over. Good night. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so when your team is definitely going to lose, you just pick up your phone and look, and then E-40 with that good night. Text. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Emoji. You'd be like, ah, I can't wait to give it to you. I can't wait to give it to you, boy. 
Uh, and that's funny because we we have E40 on our show a lot, you know. So skiggy sky, yeah. Today was a good day. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> forty Ponderelli. <laughs> oh man, man. Uh, don't don't uh, don't miss it. It kicks off United Center Arena in Chicago, June twenty fifth. Big three, Ice Cube, man. It's an honor to get to talk to you, man. You got to come back and hang out with us. Harry keeps trash talking me on the Raiders, so when the Raiders shock the world, come on so that you can back me up and trash talk Harry. That's all we ask. All right, I'm gonna text you good night. No problem, man. No problem, man. Take it easy. Thank you so much. Uh, The ten week season uh, begins with the full Big Three experience on and off the court. Uh, There's fans in Boston, Charlotte, Chicago, Dallas, Detroit, Memphis, Miami, New York where the league will play and host an outdoor festival on July 9th in front of more than 23,000 fans at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Uh, You don't want to miss any of it. You can check out all the information on Big 3 coming up. It's been the biggest story in sports for the last two weeks, and Expert's going to give us his take on it next. We'll break it down. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And look, we don't usually stack the show with a ton of guests, but today, today has been just chock full of superstars. If you've missed any of it, it'll be up on the podcast, obviously. But uh, don't uh, don't forget, we had Chris Paul earlier. Uh, CP3 came on, so you can check that out. We just talked to Ice Cube, and now we talked to Adam Scott, 2013 Masters champion, joining us. The Traveler's taking place. Look, uh, Harry, I'm up in Connecticut, right? So everybody I know in Connecticut takes this coming weekend, becomes an actual cluster you-know-what because the Traveler's Golf Tournament is up here. It is a massive big deal. Adam will be taking part in that. Adam, really appreciate your time, man, but let's just start with – some of the drama, obviously, the big conversation has been the Live PGA Tour merger. What's the vibe and energy sort of been like over the last couple of weeks in the PGA Tour for you? Yeah, obviously, big news, guys, on the PGA Tour front, for sure. Uh, we had a little bit of a break from PGA Tour life and thinking about it last week at the U.S. Open, which, um, although all the PGA Tour players play, um, it's not a pga tour run event so i think our minds kind of got a break from getting our heads around uh this surprise deal that was announced and um coming back to the travelers this week it's talk of the town again for sure but uh, we certainly don't want it to detract from uh this event which has been huge over the last few years and and for us as players this is the last designated event of uh our season so lots to play for here this week and Adam, how different was the vibe between the two tours at the U.S. Open last week versus when you were together at the last two majors earlier this season? Uh, I think it was fairly muted uh, at, at the last uh, last week's U.S. Open. You know, guys were a little bit cautious to... Um, talk about it at least around me anyway um you know i have some good friends who who play on the live tour and it wasn't it was a little bit the elephant in the room but it wasn't really the place to talk about it it was major championship golf and 
and I certainly wanted to try and keep my head focused in it. But at some point, uh, you know, I think some feelings are probably going to come out. But really, no one knows um, the the definitive points of this deal yet, which is what everyone's been talking about. So we don't really know how it's all going to pan out, which is a little frustrating, but that's part of the process. You know, we're just golfers and this is kind of big business. It's interesting you mentioned the focus because so often we hear athletes talk about once the game starts, once the match starts, once whatever their sport is starts, you can just sort of dial in, forget all the outside noise and do what you do. How difficult is it with all the chatter going on when you're just trying to play golf to the best of your ability to just focus on that one thing? I think um, most of the time it's, you know, uh, elite athletes handle it well. That's why they're elite athletes. They have that skill set. Um, this is one of the bigger things to kind of come across the golf world, um, certainly this year anyway, and maybe ever. But, um, it, you know, you saw a, a couple guys deal with it different ways. Guys didn't want to answer those questions last week. Rory Rory decided not to do so much media last week. Um, you know, it affects guys differently. Um, I think there's, in this particular instance there's a lot of feelings involved and uh, still some questions to be answered so you know for me i'm just kind of uh, waiting waiting for a, a few more answers before i can really um ha- have a strong feeling about it one way or the other but i i once it got to tournament time last week it was really nice to have four days just thinking about golf and and kind of uh, leaving all my thoughts on the golf course now, we've heard a lot of criticism about the U.S. Open in the Los Angeles Country Club. What's your takeaway from playing that course, Adam? Yeah, I mean, everyone has their favorites, and not every course can be, <laughs> can be a favorite. Um, you know, I think, I think they set the course up well uh, for, for what they had to work with there. It's not a traditional U.S. Open venue. We haven't been to that course for the U.S. Open before. Uh, and I think the course setup was as good as they could do. Um, it seems like it wasn't everyone's favorite U.S. Open venue. But um, you know, that's the USGA's um, in control of where these venues are. And, you know, we, we all want to go and play to win to win the United States Open Um I mean, at this point, if it's not your favorite, you deal with it because I, I want to win that tournament bad and I was, I was happy to be there. Um, but as far as the setup went, that's more where of my concern uh, over the years with the United States Open. Some years they've got a little carried away and we've seen greens that you can't keep a ball on and that kind of stuff. But this was all well within the um, fair parameters of playing as far as I'm concerned. We're talking to Adam Scott on Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Adam, uh, a few years ago, ESPN moved me to Bristol, Connecticut, where the, the headquarters are. And it's funny because I actually love Connecticut. Not a lot of people like fawn over it, though, but Hartford has this phrase. Hartford has it. That's the slogan of Hartford. Hartford has it. Uh-huh. So I was a little stunned to hear Hartford has it and find out when I came up here that it is the Travelers. Like, it just seems so crazy for Hartford to have this event. What is it about Travelers that is getting big names like you to continue to come back to Hartford to play in this tournament? Yeah, I have to give Travelers a ton of credit. Uh, You know, I've been on the tour 20 years, and certainly in the last 10 or 12 years, they've made a a really huge effort to to lift this event. 
uh, and started seeing over that period of time all the top players coming to play here the week after the US Open, which is normally a week that top players would take off. And uh, the, the last few times I've been here, the atmosphere uh, that Hartford brings out to this tournament is one of the best on tour. Um, so this week, with it being a designated event, pretty much all the top names that you saw at the US Open will be here playing this week. So they definitely should be coming out again. And no doubt it's going to be a huge event over the weekend. I need you to educate me, though, because, Adam, I've been told there's like there's a, a whole tent that's like an all-you-can-drink wild part. Like, Travelers gets wild if you're attending it. Is that part, like, because I, when I think of going to a golf event live, I think of, you know, behaving yourself. It sounds like Travelers gets a little reckless. Is it a, is it a rowdier crowd than most, or is it sort of on par with what you usually expect? Uh, you can definitely feel everyone having a good time out here, so don't be afraid of <laughs> good time and if you're coming out to the travelers there are a few spots where you can where it can get a little loose and i think uh no one's going to blame you for that um you know it it creates a great atmosphere for us and um you know guys have really really embraced that i think coming here the last few years and there's been some exciting golf to watch as well you know i'm thinking back a few years now but jordan speed hole and the bunker shot and going crazy things like that so great stuff has happened here and uh generally everyone's having a good time i think like the total professional i am adam if you hear somebody screaming i know him that's me in the 10 after i've had too many to drink uh we we appreciate you coming on best of luck this weekend thanks so much for uh thanks so much for hanging out with us adam we appreciate it no worries. Thanks for having me, guys. That's Adam Scott, 2013 Masters champion, coming on ahead of the Travelers Tournament taking place this weekend in Hartford, Connecticut. An absolute must-go event for so many of the people I know up here. Going to be a wild and turnt time. Coming up, everybody talks about Chris Paul's legacy. Um, we asked him about it. You'll hear about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. One, two, three. 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 Well, I mean, obviously that's the topic of conversation all the time, not just for me, but for everybody in sports. And it's, it's definitely a place for it, which is fine. For me, um, I mean, I love hooping more than anything, right? I just love the game. I love the competitiveness of it, but I'm hoping that my legacy is more than that, even as far as the education of players now, um, all the things that the union has done to help help its players and its retired players. And then I think the, the coolest part for me is uh, my AAU program. The fact that I have 12 kids from my AAU program that play in the NBA. So uh, hopefully that'll that'll be something that, uh, I don't know, not, necessarily, not just my legacy, but, it, but all of ours combined. Three hours later.
That's Chris Paul on this show a little over an hour ago talking about legacy and what legacy means to him. And it's important because what happens in these legacy conversations is that random arbitrary people use a random arbitrary line to decide that what they think matters to what someone else should think. It's why I absolutely hate so much of that conversation. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Harry, I'll go back to a second to what both of us have done in our previous lives. You played 10 years in the NFL. I don't give a damn what anybody thinks about that. I don't give a damn what anybody thinks about what your career was. I don't give a damn what anybody thinks about the work you did. you got to be proud of 10 years in the NFL. You're in the ring of honor in Louisville. You're a Louisville Hall of Famer, right? Like, you got to be proud of that. doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of it. I am, I am immensely proud of the music career I had. I don't give a damn what anybody thinks the legacy of my music should or shouldn't be. I did what I did, and I'm proud of why I did it. And I think that there's some level of that that is ingrained in me that is part of why I get so angry at these NBA legacy conversations specifically, because Chris Paul told us as we were coming back there, what matters to him right there. It matters the lasting impact, the the lives he's impacting, uh, the NBA that he's played in, like what he's done in his life. Yet we're going to sit, not you and I, we as a collective world are going to sit on random shows and decide arbitrarily how many championships it should take for Chris Paul's career to have the ultimate meaning. What, what The reminder we got today is that it's already had that ultimate meaning to all the kids that he's impacted, all the people that have watched him play, all the fans that are out there and I'll, I just screw everybody that wants to sit here and say that because he hasn't won a certain number of rings he shouldn't have the legacy others should have I just have no place for that well I think what we st- should start doing as as human beings is understanding that even though we have this view of these players of what the legacy should be they have their own view on what their legacy already is so what we say Yes, it's good for TV, it's good for radio, it's good for a lot of other things, it's good for people to have conversations in barbershops or whatnot, but the strong ones who are strong-minded and and understand who they are as individuals, as people, don't care about what anybody else has to say on the outside of what what they feel their legacy is at the moment. Point blank period. And we, you know, it's, it's funny because a lot of people thought Kevin Durant wasn't serious when he said the things he said about the legacy conversation and now you hear Chris Paul define what he want his legacy to be and, and, and how he wants to be remembered or whatnot. And I think it's I think we're getting the blueprint now on, on how guys actually feel when it comes to the conversation of legacy. And it's so weird to me because what happens immediately is like, well, if you don't have this many rings, then your career doesn't belong in this hierarchy. And he's like, OK, well. That's really cute that you get to decide that. Like, at, at what point did any of us become the arbiter of, like, what true success is? That's the thing that blows my mind. Like, we live in a world where, you know, again, I'm making music analogy. We live in a world where we openly mock one-hit wonders, and most of the people that are openly mocking one-hit wonders have never even been in a studio to record a song. So you're going to sit here and you're going to trash somebody's career because they only had one mega-hit that impacted an entire generation. They didn't have two, three, four, five. It's a stupidest thing in the world like i'm sorry you 
only had one transcendent song that the whole world will remember forever and, and and some person over here that's never accomplished anything has the right to sit here and downplay that that's what we do in the NBA constantly and and it's specifically mostly in the NBA where we do it and it doesn't make any sense to me like super teams jaded the way people perceive success and I just don't understand it I don't understand why we have to minimize greatness constantly because some random person sitting in a front of microphone decided that you need three championships instead of two if you want to be on this list. And, and, and this legacy conversation really has me thinking because, you know, playing 10 years in the NFL was phenomenal, right? But when I think about legacy, it, for me, it's number one, never never embarrassing my last name and having my kids and my other family members be able to carry that. The stuff that I do in the community and how I love giving back in the charity, charity stuff that I do. That's also something that I want my kids to do and something that they do now at this moment. But also showing my kids how to be a great father when it comes to my son and then my daughter, my wife, showing her how to be a great mother because one day she's going to be a great mother. Right. So it's just all those type of things, man, play a major factor in your legacy, not just what you do on a football field, a soccer field, a basketball court, a baseball uh, field or whatnot. There's more to legacy than just winning things. Fitz and Harry's presented by Progressive Insurance. Make sure your family's well taken care of with life insurance. Protect your phones, laptops more with electronic device insurance. And cover your furry friends with pet health insurance like I do with Annabelle. Love you, Annabelle. Uh, everything I've ever done in my life, and I've said this on interviews for years. Everything I ever did, Harry, I did because I wanted to make impact. I remember where I was the first time. I heard Dream On by Aerosmith with an orchestra on it on a live recording and heard November Rain by Guns N' Roses with an orchestra on it. And I said, man, I want to do that someday. And I, I, want to, I want to be on a song that way someday. And that happened for me with the Matchbox 20 record that was huge and I was part of the orchestra on it. It was impact, right? Like I was lucky enough to tour the world in a band that had songs that people remember and they'll remember their first concert. They'll remember the way I remember Richie Sambora and Bon Jovi at my first concert. Like it was impact, maybe to one person. And I was sitting in, in Vegas at a slot machine and a group of guys came up from Chicago, introduced themselves because they listened to our show every day and just wanted to say hi. Like for me, that's that was always what I wanted my legacy to be. Impact. I don't care if it's to one person or to a thousand. I just wanted to make impact. And I think sometimes we have to remember that legacy as a conversation requires nuance because what everybody started out for is different. Some people want to be world famous. Some people just want to impact one person and everybody can be right in the middle. Like Chris Paul has made his mark and will continue to make his legacy and it's far bigger than any conversation about championships. What I do know is Candy and Carlin are coming up. They'll keep breaking down everything going on. We appreciate you hanging out with Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. You've been listening to the Fitz and Harry Podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And you can watch on the ESPN app.